Did you just say I hope there are some cats in there? Kind of like a Christmas jingle, a Merry, uh, wait, Merry Catmas or something? I don't know. There was an, I had an album of cat songs that were Christmas. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, Merry Catmas. All right. Some insights into the upbringing of your hosts here. Well, with that, I would say welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Video Reformation podcast, even. Now that we have a name, might as well use it. You're Ben Oliver. I am Ben Oliver. You are Justin Plant. Correct. And we are the co-founders of Storyboard Media. We're your mystical guides through this magic journey of practicing effective video for business. So quick thing before we jump into our topic today of kind of our favorite concepts, it appears that we have another new sponsor this week. Is that possible? We just can't hold on to sponsors. Um, okay, well, here is a note from our brand new sponsor this week, Freddy Fingers Fedora Funhouse. If you're a hipster or a douchebag, are uncomfortable with your balding, or have somehow time traveled from the 1940s, we're your one-stop shop for all things fedora. From Panama hats to Indiana Jones hats, and pork pies to fedoras with a feather, we've got you covered. I think that's a pun. Kiosk 114 at the Garden State Plaza in Paramus, New Jersey. Freddy Fingers Fedora Funhouse, now selling pinky rings. (laughs) Fun fact about uh, Freddy, he is the younger brother of Raleigh Fingers. The pitcher. The pitcher from the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. So Raleigh has the the mustache. That's probably why hipsters do those crazy mustaches. Yeah, it's all the Fingers brothers. It's the Fingers. It's the Fingers family. Yeah who are both mustachioed and fedorad. Yeah. Do they come from the same era? I um, Or do hipsters just kind of... I feel like um, a Raleigh Fingers slash hipster mustache comes from the 1870s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of the Wild wow. West, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like antebellum. Uh, well, I guess postbellum, if it's the 1870s. And then the fedora, I feel like comes from like 1920s noir movies mm-hmm. and then kind of goes through like season two or three of Mad Men. Mm. Okay. Which would be like the early 60s. So kind of the 20s through like the 50s, I feel like, is when fedoras were allowed. You know, I heard uh, hipsters are have been spotted in, um, I don't know, the hip New York areas. What is that? Like Brooklyn? Brooklyn, uh, Williamsburg, is that one? Yeah, that's part of Brooklyn, um, yeah. They've been spotted wearing the belt and suspenders. From Really? Yeah. Big, big, what was it? They're not a sponsor uh, anymore, uh, so I don't yeah, have to yeah, remember. <laughs> uh, they're no Freddy Fingers Fedora Funhouse. But, yeah, belt and suspenders, very hip trend right now. Yeah. Yeah. For, for the thinly hipped. Yes. Yeah. On that note, perhaps we should move along. Um, quick what are we, oh. retraction, retraction, oh, yeah, clarification. Yeah, uh, uh, clar- sure. Yeah. Um, so back in episode two, part two of the uh, seven phases, um, I uh, we were talking about Wistia and Vidyard and kind of the integrations that are a part of that, mm-hmm. and I stated. I feel like they're just included, whereas with Wistia, it's like you get, uh, you kind of get to their custom level, and then you get a certain number of integrations, or like like with Vidyard, it just all comes with the integrations that you need. And of course, that statement isn't entirely accurate. It's not that Vidyard has everything included, it's just that all of their solutions are, are kind of all custom tailored. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're being pitched, it's based on your needs. Yeah. And so whatever you end up, whatever service level you end up with them, it's specifically tailored and so it just kind of feels included. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not like there's a, it's not like you wouldn't necessarily pay extra for it. It's just that uh, Wistia then has that additional like, you know, first two levels of service yeah, that don't include custom. It, it, it is. So, um, so just wanted to clarify that it, that it wasn't as, you know, quite as black and white as, as we may have made it out there. Um, and thank you to a, uh, an eagle-eared listener. <laughs> um, birds do have funny little ears. I found out um, I have chimney swifts, uh, which are birds that live in chimneys. Oh, I thought that was a character from Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they fell. They fell in my chimney. The nest fell off. 
Oh, I saw your Instagram story about yeah, that. Yeah, they and the eyes weren't even open yet on these little chicks, but they had these strange crescent-shaped holes in the back of their head that I assume feathers just cover up mm-hmm. at some point. So, of course, birds hear. I just never knew how, and it's through ears. <laughs> mm-hmm. But not external, like... Right, no lobes. No lobes. Maybe you could get the birds a fedora. If they're cold? Until their feathers come in and cover their ears. They don't look hipster enough. Hmm. Okay. Um, Okay, so we're however long in we are now, and we might as well start talking about our our concept of of favorite concepts. So we... One, I think it's worth noting that we have not yet shared with each other what we're each bringing to the table. Right. Um, which could be fun because we could end up with totally opposing ideas. We could end up with exactly the same ideas, which will just mean that we're both right. So I want to ask you about that. Okay. I brought so, – so we're talking about marketing, sales, customer success, and we're – like along that entire customer life cycle. Yep. What, what are your favorite concepts? And we're talking about strategic concepts, right? R- right. Not, I, I mean, there yeah, there are – Probably an infinite number of ways to creatively execute any of these. We're talking more about purpose. Yeah, a video that does blank, right? Um, I think it's also worth bringing up, we we have, at least in the way I've written it out here, I've segmented or siloed each of these between marketing, sales, customer success. Right. Um, Those lines are increasingly blurred every day. I mean, I, I think of customer success as as much of a sales role as sales is. And marketing, at that line between marketing and sales now because of the way that people are educating themselves and buying things, like that line is so gray. It's more gray than there is black and white on either side. So. Right, well, and, and maybe this is an opportunity for a new uh, a new sound effect, but just because this is a thing that we talk about in almost every episode. I mean, that it's important to note, maybe it just becomes an official disclaimer that we just put in show notes, but it's important to note that, that we're talking about primarily the B2B buying mm-hmm. process here. Um, and, and we may specialize in, in tech, AI, those kinds of things, SaaS, um, but there are just distinct differences between B2B buying process, uh, buyer's journeys and B2C buyer's journeys. So yeah. um, I, I imagine it's the same in B2C, but, but we're specifically co- coming from a place of B2B. Um, I, I, think, I think, you know, there, there's, so much, there's so much evidence, so much uh, support for that, that evolving journey that it's the buyers who want to take on so much of that research and and self-education mm-hmm. onto themselves <clears throat> right and so I, I think you even mentioned in a in a previous episode that that you know they get 80 percent of the way through their journey before they're ready and willing to talk to a salesperson yeah basically but it doesn't mean that there aren't people out there like, like even you and i have distinct differences personality wise where um, and I don't want to tease my customer success pick too much, but my customer success concept is something that can also be used in the marketing. I have a little of bit of too. that going on too. Right. And so, so I'm one of those people who, you know, I have to have a pretty good sense of how something's going to work, how it's going to help me. I, when I, when I learned stick shift, I learned stick shift when I was in my twenties and uh, a friend took me out and just put me in the driver's seat and I'd already bought this car just because I had to. And it was my, no, 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 no. It was actually my uncle's car and it had been given to me. That's why I had it. So I had to learn stick and I just couldn't get it that first day at all. But then I went and I, I looked at like how stuff works for the mechanism of an automatic transmission. And once I could see how the shifter was connected to the flywheel was connected to you know everything else once i knew how it was working next time i got in the car it was just that much easier to understand what i was doing Mm -hmm. instead of just shifting you know into first into second whatever Mm -hmm. i kind of knew more about how everything worked and that just helped me that's how my mind works you're the kind of person who you're going to go to a site and you're going to one avoid the chat bot avoid the self-education and you're going to go straight to the phone number and call and say, Hey, what do I need to know about this thing? I'm just going to beat the hell out of that clutch for (laughs) the whole afternoon until I get it. Yes. Um, 
and and so you, you certainly have to allow for even though even though overall people are spending more time self-educating you also have to allow for people to just say oh this looks interesting it could help me and be ready if they pick up the phone and that's why you have personas yeah because it's, it's based on the the buyer behavior yeah uh, and, I, and I, I think buying rather than I don't know I suppose there are multiple ways to look at this but I think of buying as a behavior yeah. And when I just love this so much, so I brought the example. Um, Prochaska, he's a, a behavioral psychologist. Uh, he of has, course. <laughs> he has yeah. a, a, the trans theoretical model of change, which is essentially how you go from doing one thing to doing another thing. And that's what buying is. You've got this car, and, you know, you've got your car and you don't need another car and so you just don't buy buy another car or even think about other cars. But at some point, you decide you, you or you start the process of buying again. And there's a behavior of just having, or actually a lot of times, this is used in addiction therapy. So <laughs> so here's the steps. There's, there's pre-contemplation, which is early stage. You're unaware. You don't even know the problem exists. Yep. There's... Um, there's con- the next one is contemplation. That's your mid stage. You're researching. You admit that the problem exists. You're seeking information. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like a, a you're you're kind of in the buying process now. You're aware that something's there, so you're educating yourself. Preparation is number three. Um, you're evaluating your options, actively making plans, schedules, goals, sort of in your mind. saying I'm going to do this by this time here's my budget Mm -hmm. Um, and then action which is like the last the latest stage of of the buying process before you actually like you're sold and sign a contract but you're assigning resources to the project people budget schedule Um, so then there's the sale and then after that um, Prochaska has this defined in his model. Um, I'm, I'm reading one that's adapted from uh, David Chapin's book, Making the Complex Compelling. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but uh, Prochaska's model has, uh, what's it called, like relapse? Like if you're an alcoholic mm-hmm. and, you, yeah. and you quit, but then you, you relapse. That is, like from a buyer standpoint, that you're like, screw it, I don't need this software anymore, I'm gonna go back to doing things the old way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another one um, after that uh, in Prochaska's particular model that is like like you're you're on the path you're you're, you're back on the path you're staying on the path um, for us advocacy or kind of like just staying true to that that platform and using that platform for a long time so the, like the way that this kind of breaks up stage one pre contemplation is your marketing that's the way I see it. You're there just like um, uh, Blair and says like educate the unaware. So that's marketing, it's a job. Hey, well, and, and that reminds me too, and, and since, you, since you started talking about this model, uh, I've been trying to think about where I heard this and, and the closest I can get, I think it was in a, um, I think it was in a, a, a talk at the internet summit a couple years ago, but you know, somebody was giving their presentation and they were talking about the funnel. And when they're talking about that kind of pre-contemplation, it's not like somebody wakes up one morning, turns, you know, rolls over to their wife and says, you know, I think we should be more aware of the new car solutions to us. Mm-hmm. And and so this pre-contemplation almost feels like more of a, a kind of a subconscious thing. Like, like to, to play out the car, it's you know, if uh, maybe you hit a certain mileage on your car, mm-hmm. maybe it's you start hearing a sound in your car that you haven't heard before. Maybe it's uh, your you, see someone, your, you see someone else's car, you get a raise, you're about to have a kid, whatever it could yeah. be. You may not actually yet be thinking about, oh, I need a new car, but there's something in your brain that's starting to work around. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be an opportunity or a problem. This may not be the solution for me in the near future. Mm-hmm. And you're not actively thinking new car, but you're thinking, huh. I have a problem. I have a problem. Yep. Yeah. And then once you pass that hurdle, that's where, in my opinion, that's where you enter into the sales silo. And I've got mm-hmm. air quotes. 
yeah. because you're you're beginning to consider alternatives. You're educating yourself on what your your potential solutions are, um, and then the at, way towards the end of this model, advocacy or, or um, I wish I forget what Projeska calls it, but um, that staying on the, the straight and narrow, like you're you're you've adopted this new thing, this mm-hmm. new behavior, and you're going to stick with it. Um, some people relapse, some people don't, but that's where customer success comes exactly. in. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, since this whole concept for an episode was your idea, I'm going to make you go first. Okay. And so let's stick with marketing, or let's start with marketing. So, what's your kind of favorite go-to concept for marketing? I'm going to mention two that I have three kind of as I was jotting notes down. Choose one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I'm going to say the other ones first. Oh, good. Yeah, that's good. Before I get to the one, I'm going to mention the I, I really like personalized, mm-hmm. as, like, especially from a an invitation to an event or something. Like, I didn't know this event was happening, mm-hmm. but you get a personalized invitation through video. Yeah. I think that's very compelling. It's interesting you say that because as I was making my decisions, I, of course, only selected one per because that was the minimum required of me. <laughs> um, college dropout. So... I was also thinking a little bit about what you would choose just to to hopefully come up with different yeah, options. Yeah. And my default in each category was that you were going to go with something personalized. So mm-hmm. it is interesting that you start with something personalized in the marketing, like an invitation or something like that. But that's not your one. So no. what, what's your what's your other non-one? My other non-one <laughs> is brand, I'm going to call it like brand association content. So just the really higher up, uh, brand like either either we associate like maybe it's a video about how we donated to the Jimmy V Foundation last year it's to show that we're charitable sure or that we you know we've attached ourselves to the pride movement or whatever it is there's there's that where it's like very cause based or just having a a purely brand moment to just say what you believe right mm-hmm those are very popular marketing type videos. Again, this is oftentimes about not knowing that a problem exists, but you're getting your name out there. Your, your yeah, viewers don't know yeah. that there's a problem that exists yet. Mm-hmm. But my favorite is thought leadership content. Okay. I, um, when, you were, when you were saying the last one, I thought you were going with uh, more of like lightly branded, unbranded educational content. But I feel like that might fit under thought leadership a little yeah. bit. So, so, so I think about this from from the buyer's perspective. I don't know that a problem exists yet. The first place I go is search mm-hmm. to 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 start exploring some things. I don't know what I'm looking for yet, but I go to search. And if there's like I'm thinking of one of our clients, we have a completely unbranded YouTube channel that discusses AI and the deep discussions and topics of, about AI. Understanding AI. Understanding AI, not how it works. selling their products, not. Exactly. Yeah. There's um, no mention of their product. Nope. I think that's that's so smart because. We thought of it. <laughs> like, you, you know that you can go there for answers and that you trust this source. Right. And trust is a huge, is a fundamental aspect of this whole process. And so built, like starting with the foundation of trust, I think is really important to say that we're here for you to give you the knowledge that we have as experts. Whether or not you hire us, this is for you to use as best you can. And I imagine everyone has those channels, sources, brands, whatever, however you want to identify it, that they go to for all kinds of things too. When we started this company and we're much more uh, production focused, we kind of started with still motion Right, because mm-hmm. they, they spent so much time explaining how to make these videos, how to tell a story, how to find a story, all those things. We weren't necessarily a potential customer of theirs, but then they spun off story and heart that then was something we could be a customer of. And mm-hmm. because we had that uh, attachment to that brand and those people, we then quickly became a part of that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When we started pivoting to more of the strategic <clears throat> stuff, we learned so much from Vidyard Mm-hmm. before we were ever remotely a client of theirs. Yeah. And now we're an agency partner and we use their products <clears throat> and 
you know, and all of that was because we knew that they would be the go-to. And so we've all got, you know, whether it's personal or or related to our jobs, we've all got those sources that we use. Make your own brand a a resource like that. Just like Lowe's has so much do-it-yourself home, Mm -hmm. or maybe even the Home Depot, I'm sure, but they've got so much just do-it-yourself, how to make your porch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, how to fix your sink. And I'm buying into the fact that they're experts and I trust that they're telling me the truth. And I don't know. It's just a, it's a great place to start a relationship. Well, I I think if you link that with those kind of brand lift moments that you were talking about before, if you're, if you're constantly doing that kind of building of the brand type content across multiple media, if you end up finding one of those brands that also is giving you the education and the information that you need, you're already just kind of more aware of that brand anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it just solidifies. I mean, if you started just from the how to, I imagine it's a longer process. If you were building a brand, trying to build a relationship with your brand and your prospects, it would probably take longer if you just had that one source. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing those other things at the same time, it does kind of lead to brand awareness, brand lift, brand so- affinity. There's a lot of thought leadership possibilities out yeah. there. Like, wh- I, where, would, where would you start? I, well, there's like QA type stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways. I think we've even discussed doing an episode on like, you know, thought leadership opportunities. Um, but I, I think there's a, I think there's a way to, there's a way to in a non-marketingy, non-salesy way do answer the how-to questions mm-hmm. those are some of the search most searched questions right. out there right yeah um, answer those how-to's even if it's not directly related to something that you're selling if you're providing value to people then they will connect with your brand um, I, I think with thought leadership for some reason I always go to events if you're the kind of company that mm. that hosts events and you've got to program a day's event and you've got to have speakers and workshops and things like that I'm big on by being the curator of that thought leadership, you get to own that thought leadership. Mm -hmm. So even if you're bringing in your clients, your partners, whether it's some of your own people speaking, but, but even outside, by bringing those people to the stage and giving them a platform to share in the room, if you capture that and share that, I think you get to own some of that thought leadership too. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite kind of easy ways for thought leadership. Now, of course, it depends on if you've already got an event that you're doing, which can be very expensive, but. But uh, even having a podcast, having someone else come on the show, right? Yeah. You get to own that and co-op that thought leadership. So yeah. anyhow, what's your uh, marketing related? So I, concept? you know, I think in, in Prochaska's model, this probably fits closer to sales, but I think that's part of the reason that I picked it uh, is because it's in that blurry intersecting area. Yeah. I really like right fit videos. I, it was the first thing that came to mind, and then as I thought about more options, I just kept coming back to it. It's one of those things that is definitely a little bit further on in that journey, right? Uh, your viewer, your prospect, uh, even if they're not identified yet and they're not technically a prospect, they, they already know what you do, why you do it, how it works, those kinds of things. What, what they're doing now, or what you're doing is you're giving your prospects an opportunity to either mitigate their own risk and better connect with who you're saying you can help. Or, and I think this is the big the big advantage of it, you let poorly qualified prospects actually disqualify themselves. Mm-hmm. It's so often just as important to have someone not become an MQL and pass them off to sales because then that becomes a waste of time mm-hmm. for any salesperson who needs to go after someone who's but not really qualified. Quota. Yeah. But and so it's just as important to get those people out. And so if, if you if you have your site or if you have any of your content organized by persona or by industry or sector, those kinds of things, you could potentially make a different video for each of those personas, industry sectors, and basically say, this is who we help the most. This is our model client. This is whatever. And then you're letting the user basically go down a checklist and say, yep, that's something that could help me. Yep, I fit that. Yep, I have that budget. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. it is that mm-hmm. you're saying, this is who we help the most, and I think that's the best way to position it. Then they basically get to the end of that and say, okay, well, I know what they do. 
I know that they that that they think I'm a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're a good fit for me. It's probably time to talk some, to someone. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the most likely next step is to then finally, if they're one of those big self educators, pick up the phone or schedule that demo, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I don't know. I just I, I like uh, I like that one. I like. I like the risk mitigation, right? It's the, again, I already know what you do. I know how it works. And this is kind of the last thing to be like, yeah, okay. Maybe this is right for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of the gray area in between marketing and sales comes from how you use it too. Sure. Because someone may, like just where you are in the buyer journey, you may be just stalled out at a certain point and then you get as part of an email campaign that's just automated marketing yep. content you get a right fit video is that sales is that marketing it's just i mean sure you're you're reassuring their intent to to make a decision but you might be pulling them back a little bit more on your side and so it's it's just kind of where you are yeah. in that journey i think you know i i think and and thinking about how you could use it i mean i'd already mentioned if you've got your site segmented by persona or you know, industry sector, that kind of thing. Nurture is another great opportunity. I think there's even a retargeting opportunity potentially um, for that kind of stuff. If it's someone who, you know, who you can identify as as at a certain stage in their journey, mm-hmm. then might as well, you know, let them see uh, something targeted to them on some other platform that then speaks directly to them with that, you know, with where they are in, in that process. So. Is it marketing? Is it sales? I think that's kind of the whole point here is, you know, it can be either. And, and you know, I mean, that brings up interesting discussion too. Um, and we're dealing with it with, with one of our existing clients is there's the type of content that both marketing and sales can use. But then there's, and I think this goes to maybe creative concept. You could have a right fit strategic concept that marketing would execute one way because mm-hmm. they'd use it one way, mm-hmm. but sales would need to execute in a different way because mm-hmm. they're using it in a different way. They, it may already be someone that they've identified as a sales qualified lead, and maybe they're just not getting a response from them. And so they're gonna send it through very direct one-to-one outreach, mm-hmm. whereas marketing is putting it out there more for, we know that you're this type of persona, we know that this journey is this, and we know that if you get to here, you're probably wondering, is this a good fit? And so you take different creative approaches with those. Yep. This makes me think of like a lot of the commercials. Do you ever blank? Like, do you have sleeping problems? Do your kids blank? Do you, uh, you know what I'm t- talking about? Like radio commercials of like. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example or now. Any infomercial. That yeah, it's very infomercial. Don't you hate it when Yeah, that's that's what I was yeah. going for. Don't you hate it when um but, but that is almost right that's starting with a right fit. Do you put yourself in this bucket? If so, we might have a solution for you. So like you said, creative concept. Yeah. The way you construct that creatively. Yeah. I think we've beaten that to death. Yeah. Yeah. Did everybody get that? Good. Sales? Yeah. All right. What are your three options for sales? Oh, I have five. <laughs> I'm, Pick I'm not four. sure which one's my favorite. Um, all right. I've got, I'll, I'll go with the other four quickly. Demos, micro demos. That's what I It chose. just helps you. Okay. So do you want to go ahead and hit that? Sure. So we call them micro demos. I think what it really is is taking the the individual like feature benefit set of your platform product service whatever it's breaking them down into just that specific feature just that specific benefit whatever it is and getting very not getting in the weeds but just getting super specific and breaking that out into a library of content Mm -hmm. so if you're if you've got a SaaS platform that does nine things really well Mm -hmm. that's at least nine videos that you would make one that focuses on each of the things it Mm -hmm. does well it's super accessible it's um i mean we've written some before and i think our tagline ended up being all of them ended with it's that simple right and so um these are key because i think there are two primary opportunities to use them one is a prospect has been identified they're a sales qualified lead and they won't yet for whatever reason commit to a demo 
Mm -hmm. But based on the conversation, so they're interacting with you, but they're still hedging for whatever reason. They're shy, they're not sure, there's too much risk, they're not the decision, whatever it may be, right? But in your conversations with them, you understand that they've identified a couple key things that they would be looking for. Only send the micro demos that speak to those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So if you've got those nine pieces and they say that it's, you know, issue A, issue D, and issue G, only send those three videos and say, hey, I wanted you to take a look at these because I know we've talked about how you could use this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And and then you don't have to worry about what the rest of your platform right. does, right? And then I think the bigger opera, I think the bigger opportunity is then immediately post a demo, especially, and in the B2B space, this is just an increasing occurrence, especially when there's a consensus building sale right where you've got to get the your kind of foot in the door person to agree to it and then you've got to go to their boss and then you've got to go to a cfo like when you've got to get multiple people to sign off oftentimes you can only get one person at a time for those demos Mm -hmm. so if you've just completed your standard demo with with that kind of foot in the door prospect pull out those questions like what would your boss you know is that something you find interesting is that something your boss could use listen for those opportunities like wow that's fantastic mr so-and-so would would love that make note of that and then you're empowering your foot in the door prospect to turn around and send that specific content to then their boss on your behalf and say hey i just got this demo there's a whole bunch of great stuff in here this this and this made me think of you because you're always talking about these things check this out i'd love for you to talk to this guy this thing could really help us and again, it's about sending that very specific content and, and it feels personalized, it feels customized, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get into this, you know, 80% of the other stuff that they don't really care about. Mm-hmm. It's funny you ended there because my next video is the 80% video. <laughs> yeah, no, I considered that too. I mean, that's just nice, kind of an early on way to reach out to somebody and say, Look, most of people in your situation have these types of questions. Just wanted to address this quickly. Again, that's the sort of thing that allows people to kind of either say, oh yeah, we're mostly on board with that, or you know what, this isn't the right solution. Yeah. Um, and it's easier it, to scale. It is much easier to scale, yeah. This one's a little bit, kind of is in between actually sales and customer success. Uh, and that's an FAQ. I think there's a, which is what I chose for customer success. There's a difference though. I would call for customer success. I would call that a knowledge base in sales. I would call it (laughs) FAQ. Um, let me just go to my notes. Ben's customer success pick concept slash purpose FAQ slash knowledge base. Um, audience customers before submitting a ticket also prospects who are super self-educational sure so um I yes did. i, I agree <laughs> and i think that's great because yeah like, like you put it people can answer can just and, and you can actually kind of build the structure around what you want them to know yes but make it sound like you're serving them yeah so i'll get into faq as my customer success pick but since that's your throwaway sales pick let's move through your other throwaway sales right. picks my other throwaway and this are there testimonials, social proof type videos? Yeah. It's all about either inspiring that prospect to, to do something great or reassuring their intent. And what's great about these is it's the ability to tell a really great story. Um, if you have that opportunity, people relate so much more to stories than they do to a whiteboard video. So if you have the ability to tell that, like, that's a great that's a great opportunity. Well, so th- so that's an opportunity for me to see your Prochaska's model and raise you Everett Rogers' dif- law of diffusion of innovation. Okay, because that's a it, so for those not familiar, that's essentially the bell curve that breaks your potential audience down into innovators, early adopters, early majority, late majority, and laggards. And what's interesting is the behavior differences between those early. Basically, as you go on, people need more and more social proof. So those that 2.5% at the front end, those innovators, they need zero social proof. They want to take those risks and they're looking for those opportunities. The early adopters, it's not so much that they need social proof. What's interesting about them is that they like to be seen as leaders. Mm-hmm. And so those are the people that you can go after to get your testimonials. 
mm-hmm. and share them with then the next group of people you're going to be going after, which is the early majority, who thrive on hearing that social proof. Mm-hmm. So you've just crossed the chasm between early adopters and early majority. And the people you've just sold are the people who want to say, hey, I use this first. And the people you're about to sell are people who need to hear who else is using this. Yeah, it's quite a nice legal system. Mm-hmm. And then the, everyone else is just kind of like, well, if I have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't use Ask Jeeves anymore. Yeah. I have to use Google. Right. Fine, mom. But my favorite sales video. One-to-one. Uh, personalized. Ah, okay. Like, yep. And not the the scalable version of personalization, but the hey, completely Sarah, unscalable. Yeah. I I know I know your problems. I really want to work with you. I've seen that you do this, this, and this. You know, we work with clients just like that, and I know I know what your issues are, and I know I can help you. Let's have a conversation. So much of what we do is a science, and so much of what we do is an art. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, the science is more of the strategic component and art is more of the creative component. And in sales, sales is very much an art. And this is the ability to apply that in the sales videos mm-hmm. um, and just really, I don't know, really connect with a person on a very personal level. Art does not scale. Art is a, is a one unit thing. Yep. Um, and I, and I, I like that approach. I've seen a lot of success with it. Uh, whether I'm doing that really early in the sales process or even later on, um, you know, like contract review time. Um, so I love that. I think, um, God, which episode was it? Was it episode five? Uh, we talked about video selling. We go into much more in depth into into how to use one to one. So if you're if you're starting here at where are we episode seven, maybe jump back to episode <clears throat> five if one to one sales video is something that interests you. Anything else on sales, or should we jump to customer success? Um, let's do it. All right. Well, we already know what mine is. Mine's going to be FAQ knowledge base. So why don't you why don't you go first? On okay. This one? Um. So let's see here. I'll go. <laughs> it's funny because I've got demos down here. <laughs> uh, but I think, just, that, I think that makes a point, right? Yeah. There's, and I think the better point that it makes is that you don't necessarily just want to make one thing and use it everywhere. You can have, and, and you know, this is going to sound so douchey, but like we're on the cutting edge of this video strategy stuff, right? Not everybody is putting the level of thought into it that mm-hmm. we like to put into it. And so I, I just I don't want people to think that you can just you know make something once that's going to apply to all of your silos and and all of your journey, and that it's going to have the same efficacy if you just make the same thing. You can have a strategic purpose, right? To share one thing, to to make demos, right? To mm-hmm. demo off individual parts of your platform, whatever. But depending on where you're using it, you're going to take a different approach with that. Yep. And so it, it can be that demos fit for marketing, sales, and customer success, but please take a different approach mm-hmm. uh, creatively, executionally, whatever. So was I going or were you going? Uh, you were going. Okay. I think you said I'm going to go and then I jumped in. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I said, I want, you already know what mine is. You go. You had a whole bunch of silence as you were looking at your <laughs> notes. And I said, well, then I'll go. And then you started. I know where I'm going. Excellent. <laughs> so... I got knowledge base on here. I've got onboarding, which the one-to-one video is, is really great in, in customer success. Um, and so onboarding can be, one-to-one video can be used in onboarding. But I also think there are specific, you know, setup, you know, setting up your account and, and customizing this or that or plugging in this integration. Or I, I, I think of onboarding also as, even if you don't have, even if it's not like a platform like that, even if it's just a thank you, mm-hmm. right? Welcome to the community, what to whatever expect. it is. Yeah. I've also got, um, oh, so all that, I kind of just toss all that into a big bucket. Like the account handoff though is kind of a nice mm-hmm. way, like one-to-one way to, to, to use one-to-one in customer success. But 
I see customer success, especially with the customers we work with, as the biggest sales role. Because a lot of our clients are in this land and expand mode where get them in using one product, whether it's a free trial or something else, uh, the lower version, and grow that account. Uh, my wife works for a tech company. She's an account manager. She's not actually in customer success. I think it's just a definitions thing though. Mm -hmm. But she's responsible for identifying opportunities, gets rewarded for passing those opportunities along to sales. Mm -hmm. uh, so she doesn't directly handle that sale. But um, what I'm getting at is uh, product updates. Those are my favorite customer success videos. Interesting. Which is marketing in the customer success world. Mm -hmm. So we had this new feature, this new thing, this new thing, and oh, we've introduced a new level, and these will be available starting March 1st. Yep. Um, it's just a great way to show someone how the product is being innovated, kind of you know laying out that roadmap, uh, and, and creating sales opportunities. Mm -hmm. It gives you a real opportunity to deepen your existing relationship with those customers too, especially if especially if what you're selling, what you're making is something that doesn't necessarily have daily use, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Sending those things just kind of like reminds them that this is something that they're paying for and is supposed to be helping them too. Yeah. And, and it really helps you retain those customers too because the more that you're updating, innovating, listening, right? I, 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 think, the, I think the most effective product updates are the ones that start with, we've heard you mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I honestly, I prefer the things that we use day to day. I prefer the ones that have a dedicated feature request section from a customer success standpoint. So there, there are some, some things that we use where I, I will go in almost every time I use it and I'll do a quick check of the knowledge base and just make sure that I'm not suggesting something that already does exist. But what's amazing is, you know, I'll send that off. Hey, you know, be great if blah, 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 right? And then to get some kind of response from that saying, that's fantastic, we're gonna add it to our list mm -hmm. or it's already on our roadmap, those kinds of things. But then when you get those product updates, it's just that much more authentic to mm -hmm. say- Been involved, like- we, you, become, you become a part of it instead of yeah. just, again, it's deepening that, that yeah, customer relationship. Users, you've become a part of their development. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, well, I, I, I mean, I think that I think that kind of goes to surprise my selection, which again is that kind of FAQ knowledge base opportunity. From a from a customer success standpoint, I, I really focus on more of the customer support angle of customer success. Um, I think there's a, a greater benefit with that because one of the one of the things that FAQ video and knowledge base video does is it minimizes the number of support tickets that you've got coming in. Mm -hmm. And that is so often a huge metric of any any support team is how quickly can we get these things turned around? How can we get, if you can have fewer of them, you can turn the existing ones around faster. So um, the, the opportunity here is almost brutally obvious is that in text response to a knowledge base thing, you're just telling somebody how to fix something. Mm -hmm. With video, you get to show them as well as tell them. Mm -hmm. so at scale. If it, at scale. And so, you know, the there's a whole art to figuring out and science to figuring out which videos to make, but just go with the most common ticket requests, the mm -hmm. most common questions you're getting, and just start there. Pick Practice. three or five or whatever, yeah. right? And um, they can be really low quality yes. screen grabs and voiceover. And people are totally fine with that. Think, think about how often you go to YouTube or, or, or you just Google like, I don't know, something about a, a sound with your car, uh -huh. right? And then you see like, you know, how to, how to replace your exhaust hanger mm -hmm. on your 2008 Volvo S60. Maybe that was a recent search I've made. Who knows? Uh, my car is making rattling sounds. Um, but you know, I've watched that video, and I know that that's not something I can do. So I know I've got to take it to the shop. And but all I need to do is ask them to replace the exhaust hanger. And but I've seen how it's done, right? And so, um, uh, so it's it's just a fantastic opportunity to show and tell. But like we were talking about before, it's just as much for cu customers, existing customers, before they submit a ticket, as it is for prospects before they buy, because some I would of those put a little more 
production value into before they buy, but yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. You certainly don't have to. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I would too. But I, but I think if you can, and this goes back to your point about dictating what you want them to know, mm-hmm. you might be a little bit more selective about what you put on the FAQ section of your website mm-hmm. than what you would put on the, you know, user sign-in controlled knowledge base. Mm-hmm. You know, and so again, so many of those knowledge base um, platforms too are then just integrated platforms like Zendesk or whatever. So you know, thinking about platforms and tools like Vidyard has their Zendesk um, integration, mm-hmm. right? So if you're using Zendesk for your knowledge base, great. Put all the answers there. Make them scrappy. Uh, you know, help your customers get the answers. But then if you're just on the public face of your marketing site then you actually get to control what questions you want yep. to provide answers to through yep. video. So, um, again, if the theme of this episode here is blurred lines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts? Not really. Um, but it was interesting how how much overlap there was in each of these. Yeah. For me personally, but then, you know, you had the same situation. So. Yeah, I was um, – I, for the sake of our listeners, I was hoping we would come up with very different ideas. And I feel like the ones that we each ultimately chose ended up being different ideas. Mm-hmm. But I like that we ended up kind of considering a lot of the same mm-hmm. things, too. Yep. And it's not just because, you know, we work in the same office and we have the same discussions. I think it's, you know, again, we both have very different buying behaviors. And so as consumers, we have certain biases mm-hmm. that, that influence, you know, how we recommend certain things too. So, uh, so yeah, so, so there you have it. Those are some of our favorite strategic concepts um, for kind of the, the revenue teams uh, that are there. I think this is our chance to. Um, I don't know, I guess the, maybe just a warning too, like just because we said that doesn't mean it's right for you. Absolutely. You need to look at what, your intentions are and what you're trying to do and then you know start with the end in mind don't just say oh well justin said thought leadership so we got to do it i mean it may be a good idea but maybe you're having more hold up in the sales department and it's not that you're hurting for leads it's that you can't convert right so just be aware that it's uh that's not our intention here yeah I just wonder how any boss at any random company would respond to. So, um, Justin said that I should blank, blank, blank. Okay, how much does he need? <laughs> who, who is Justin? And how much is this going to cost us? That's when you can go and say, Justin said so-and-so. Is when you're paying for it. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, yes. So I was looking at you, but I was not processing what you were saying, so... Might have been a joke Pretty or standard. something. <laughs> um, no, that was just a, a shameless plug to hire us. Oh, okay. And then you can use us as like a referenced source. Oh, right, right, right. Anything that you're not paying for, yeah, figure it out for yourself. <laughs> um, not really, but I don't think we need to clarify our tongue-in-cheek and sarcastic no. comments. I think people have figured it out by now. Or if they haven't, they're no longer listening. All right. Uh, that is the end of episode seven. Our favorite concepts. Yeah, better bring um, back Freddie Fingers. Yeah, we want to we want to thank our our new sponsor. Not sure they'll. You look last really good in that fedora, by the way. You know, I have the proper shaped head for a fedora. Ah, fedoras actually look pretty good on me, and I was just not ever willing to, in the last you know decade or so commit to actually buying a fedora. This one's on loan. Yeah. This this one that I'm wearing right now with this glorious feather. Is that a beaver fur coming out of it? Yes. That's just that's just the wrapping. So yeah. since this is an audio podcast, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm wearing a light brown tweed fedora uh, with a beaver fur strap. I, what's the wrap? Wrap, uh, you know, that, that piece of fabric that goes around <clears throat> the mm-hmm. kind of right above the brim. And a um, red... What is it's a what card- kind of- I think it's a cardinal. Cardinal. It's a cardinal feather. Okay. Um, it's a red cardinal feather. But it's because of our wonderful new sponsor, Freddie Fingers Fedora Funhouse. If you're a hipster or a douchebag, are uncomfortable with your balding, or have somehow time traveled from the 1940s, we're your one-stop shop for all things fedora. From Panama hats to Indiana Jones hats and pork pies to fedoras with a feather, we've got you covered. Kiosk 114 at the Garden State Plaza in Paramus, New Jersey. Freddie Fingers Fedora Funhouse now selling pink earrings. P.
pinky rings, not pink earrings. Pinky rings. Yes, pinky rings. Yeah, don't go asking for pink earrings. No. See, I wish they would have sent me one. I, I'm three of those things. I'm not from the future or the past. Although you kind of are from the past and will be from the future. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my head is so horse-like. Oh, your head is not shaped properly I for want, a fedora. It, but, but I'm balding. I'm a total douchebag. But you're comfortable with your balding. Yeah, it's for I'm the uncomfortable people balding. can't see. People it. can't see. It's up in the clouds. I'm five, and uh, I'm comfortable with my balding. But I just shave off the rest of my hair anyway. I just you don't think a pork it. pie would work? I think a pork pie. Would, I think a pork pie would. You need a rounder face for that too, don't you? I was just trying to look for something that kind of like, like. I think you lean into it, and you'd have to go top hat. Oh, like a like a ten gallon, like a ten get like an Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and then shave off your mustache only. Mm-hmm. You could actually pull off a young Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter <laughs> if you just shave the mustache and put on a really tall top hat. I think that's why he did it. He was already freakishly tall. Sure. So I I got I got called <laughs> in basketball in high school. I got called. You Abe, looking, Abe Lincoln looking son of a bitch. <laughs> so we'll see. There you go. The kids were right. Yeah. Or was it another parent? No, it was another. Was yeah, a rival team. Okay. It hurts when the parents of the kids you're playing <laughs> against <laughs> yeah. are shit talking you from the stands. <laughs> what did they call you? <laughs> I don't know, but I just uh, you know what's weird is I've always been stocky, but. At least when I was younger, I was really fast, mm-hmm. like really agile and really fast. And I remember um, someone who in high school became one of my best friends. We remembered each other from basketball camp, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh yeah, you're the fast fat one." <laughs> <laughs> and like I was like I was offended, of course. And then I was like, you know what? Yes, that was me. That's um, your race. We should, yeah. Yes. Twelve-year-old me <laughs> should race you. And we'll see. Who um, Alright, well I imagine the outro music has started by now. If Anthony's any good at his job. That's true. I think it, a while it's, ago. Yeah, it's, it's an art, figuring out where to where to fade in the outro music. And also, the, the mix science. is key too, right? Because people stick around and listen for these... Yeah, it's not confirmed yet. <laughs> That's true, we only have download numbers, we don't have like listening numbers. Let us know if uh, you're enjoying this yeah. <laughs> uh, endless banter. Yeah, uh, I would, in fact, I would just put it directly in the ratings and comment section mm-hmm. of iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you... I feel like Stick that's just like one name, right? I feel like that's just one name of podcast platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, just throw it in the ratings, throw it in the comments. In fact, the first person who does it...